Today, we're going to talk to Abby Lee Hood about the article that she wrote for the Tennessee Lookout about Tennessee's anti-LGBTQ bills, which are being supported by national conservative groups. And Tennessee has become basically a breeding ground for this kind of ugliness. Abby, Abby or Abby Lee? Abby Lee. And I do use they, them pronouns, too. Oh, sorry about that. Okay, so Ab- Abby Lee uh, is here with us today. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for the article. You did a good job with it. Uh, tell us, what was the impetus for writing the article? Sure. Well, I'm very glad to be here. Um, I've had a lot of DM exchanges with Tennessee Holler, so it's super cool to be uh, live with you today. Um, although as I was saying, before we got started, I wish we were meeting under better circumstances because it never seems like there's a lot of good news. And especially with, um, the human rights uh, campaign is calling this the slate of hate. There are other activists that use different terms, but essentially it's an onslaught of anti-LGBTQ legislation. Um, despite what some senators, uh, think it is anti-LGBTQ. And I point that out because in that story, um, I talk about, Senator John Stevens, who, when I emailed him to ask why he had supported the sports uh, ban, the the anti-transgender sports ban, um, he said that using the word anti-LGBTQ was biased, and that made me not a reporter, that I was a bad reporter for using that word. Um, So, you know, the impetus for reporting this piece, I have reported a couple of things. Uh, This is, I guess you would say, part of a series Um, or an ongoing developing kind of story. Um, I covered the millions of dollars that were set to lose in revenue because uh, conferences and businesses are pulling out of the state. Um, Anecdotally, I have also been told that some recruiters are having difficulty finding talent because obviously queer talent is not going to come to a state where they and their children are not safe. Um, That was not part of those original stories, but it's just a little sort of side uh, and aside. Um, so as I've, as I've dug into these stories, um, and the original one was about businesses like Amazon, which say that they're pro-LGBTQ, but then donate thousands of dollars to Governor Bill Lee and Lieutenant Governor uh, Randy McNally and others as well. As, I've, as I dived into the 54 sponsors of these various anti-LGBTQ bills, turns out these big corporations who claim to be very queer friendly have donated to a lot of them. Uh, but regardless, as I was reporting these stories, I came to realize that the legislators were not acting on their own. And in fact, most of them are not responding to constituent concerns at all. These bills are copy paste conservative talking points that are fed by nonprofits to legislators to pass. They're not anything that constituents have, have brought up as a concern. So as I was reporting these original stories, I started to learn that there is a multi-million dollar network pushing these bills. And that was really concerning because I didn't see a lot of coverage about it. So let's name some names. What are the organizations that you discovered? Well, the heaviest hitter is Heritage Foundation. Um, I'd have to go back and look at the exact number, but in their last financial statement, they had more than $300 million in total assets. And I believe they spent about 60 million. I have the story in front of me, but I don't want to you know, control find. Um, I can if you need me to, but it's about 60 million that they spent in programming, which their programming is education, media and government relations and and running their programs. Uh, So the Heritage Foundation is one that uh, a lot of activists are are familiar with. It's a big conservative far right group that does a lot of quote unquote advocacy. They testify in in front of Congress about 40 times a year. And I think what is most concerning is that under the Trump administration, 70 
or so of their staff and alumni was employed in the federal government. And they also selected a lot of federal judge appointments who have lifetime um, appointments. So even though we have a new administration, um, there are still a lot of holdovers from our conservative administration, from the Trump administration that came before. The Trump administration, according to Heritage, also signed about two thirds of the Heritage policy recommendations. And they're all things about, um, you know, and this is my personal opinion, but they're trying to make a, the a, a theocracy, a theocratic government run by religion. Um, so a lot of those things are geared toward highlighting and establishing religion and sort of removing the separation of church and state, which is personally very concerning to me. Um, well, I mean, I would just say here in Tennessee, it feels like that separation is gone. I mean, if you know, I, I regularly find myself feeling like we are actually a theocracy already. So many of these bills are direct and they'll tell you like they don't even hide it. You know, they'll talk mm -hmm. about that. They're pushing bills for, you know, Jason Zachary. I've seen him say that, you know, he's coming from a, you know, pushing a bills with Jesus in mind, with, with Christianity in mind and obviously nothing against people of faith. But that line has completely been blurred. And these bills seem to exemplify that. I just want to list what the bills are for people real quick. I think there were five that passed this past session. There may have been more, but the anti-trans athlete bill, the anti-trans bathroom bill from Zachary, the anti-trans bathroom sign bill from Tim Rudd and Murfreesboro, the anti-LGBT opt-out bill from Deborah Moody that basically has teachers warning parents if they're planning to even mention LGBT people in class. And then there's the anti-trans hormone therapy bill that I think Kumar ended up carrying. That's five. There might be more. Uh, you know, <clears throat> not one of these bills puts food on the table for suffering Tennesseans. Not one of these bills gets anybody coverage that doesn't have it here in this state. So many other things that we could be doing. And instead, they're spending all of their time focused on these things. Uh, do you think we're a theocracy? I also want to play you a video in a second. Well, a couple of, yes, I, I think uh, Republicans and GOP members want us to be a theocracy, and I think they're steadily moving in that direction. Um, a couple of interesting notes to tease out from what you mentioned, which was uh, not only is Tennessee on the road to becoming the state that has passed the most anti-LGBTQ legislation this session, uh, there are three bills that are still on the governor's desk. One of them is that um, uh, ban on gender-affirming health care. Uh, which the Arkansas governor vetoed because he found it to be too extreme. Of course, the legislature there overruled him and enacted it anyway. And I would like to put a trigger warning here for uh, suicidal ideations. But um, after that bill passed, the Trevor Project reported that four youth attempted suicide because of the passage of that bill. So not only are these bills really harmful, like in general, but they're actively can. Uh, contributing to the death of trans people. And the other thing was that um, Jason Zachary is a particularly interesting case to me because he introduced some of this legislation, would not respond to my email requests for comment. But uh, Mike Bell told me in an email statement that um, Representative Zachary had responded to him and said, yeah, uh, this is obviously secondhand from Mike Bell, but Zachary said that he knew that other bills were being uh, introduced in other states, meaning that he had some knowledge of model legislation was fed these talking points because to your point, um, these are not putting food on the table of struggling Tennesseans of which I'm one, right? The coronavirus has impacted all of us. Um, they're literally just 
fed these bills and they passed them from Heritage Foundation and the other uh, groups in their network. Yeah, and and it's just a missed opportunity, misguided priorities. They get fed these bills from places like Alec, and you know, I I guess the point is to rile up an already riled up base, but you know, it's also to be able to go back and campaign on these things in their next elections. And there are actually bills that didn't pass. Uh, for instance, there was a LGBT curriculum ban that Griffey was carrying that didn't actually pass. Uh, the, the Moody opt-out one did pass. So, you know, we're not done yet by any stretch. They're going to keep coming. Uh, and, you know, people need to understand that they need to put pressure on their legislators. But you also mentioned this, and I think this is really worth hitting home. These businesses that talk a good game about, you know, being against these bills and write letters, they continue to donate to the legislators that push them and they don't actually come out and make any real declarations that are going to hit them in the pocketbook. The NCAA has, you know, has said that they're going to do something, but hasn't actually done anything. Amazon Oracle is moving here anyway. Tennessee is really a breeding ground for this stuff. And the only way that any of this is going to change is if people start to feel it in the pocketbook and in their campaign donations. You're right. And, you know, it's also important to mention, um, you keep bringing up so many good points. Uh, I wanted to mention that fact TN um, it's uh, FACT is like their acronym. They're an anti-marriage equality organization. That's what they do in right. large part. David Fowler. Yes. The president, David Fowler told me that he reached out to Scott Sepiki and provided legal wordsmithing on some of this bill uh, on one of the bills that Sepiki introduced and Sepiki apparently emailed him back. They're close enough that Sepiki emailed him back and was like, actually, I went with some other legal advice on this bill. But the reason that's important is because, um, you know, the fact is, is trying to repeal marriage equality would if they could. And it speaks volumes to me that these bills are slippery slopes. And we know this, um, we know where they're headed because, like you said, there have been bills that did not pass. And so you can see them polling uh, like that. One of my sources sent me a 2019 uh, Heritage Foundation tweet where they were polling about the sports ban. Um, and on background, some sources have told me that after the disastrous blowback from the bathroom bills in 2016, basically these conservative groups started to incubate the bills that were passed last year and this year. And to be clear, some of this legislation was introduced last year. They'll tell you it's in response to the Biden administration, but that's a straight up lie because right. it's passed, you know, last year in other states. So the you can see what they're doing. This follows a very clear pattern. They see what doesn't work. Like in other states, some of these bills included very specific clauses about genital checks for children. Yep. If a child, so you, yeah, exactly. You already know where I'm going with this. I mean, children who have their gender called into question because they're good at sports or what have you, may be subjected to a traumatizing and invasive genital check. Yep. No matter what gender they are, if someone calls it into question, they could have to go through this very disgusting, it's almost difficult to talk about, process. So not only can you see how they sort of work these bills and figure out what is too extreme, and they're figuring out how far they can push things, what they can actually get passed. And the fact that some of our legislators are connected to anti-marriage equality um, organization speaks volumes to me because it would not surprise me if, you know, they've gotten away with it this legislative session. What are they going to introduce that's worse next time? 
And look at the headlines that come out about Tennessee. This is in Time Magazine. Tennessee governor signs two new anti-trans bathroom bills. Uh, Daily News quietly signs fifth anti-trans bathroom. These are national. You know, uh, all of these headlines, these are nationally, you know, this is what we're becoming known for across the country. Obviously, we are regularly making news for all kinds of terrible things, but this is yet another one. I'm going to play a video real quick, and then we're going to bring in our other guests. I'd love for you to stick around so you can talk to her with me. Uh, Danielle's going to join us in a second, but I just want to play. This is a clip of Deborah Moody's bill, which is, I believe, what is causing Danielle to take the action that she's taking. So that's why I want to start with this. Requires 30 days prior to commencement of a sexual orientation or gender identity curriculum just gives the parent an opt-out. And so I applaud you for bringing this legislation. I support it. Hopefully we can all respect each other's wishes as a whole rather than one side or other side trying to push their agenda on our kids. So if you're in English class, read something by James Weldon Johnson, who's openly gay. Is that something that a teacher would have to give 30 days notice to? I think the intention for this instruction is is in would be in the sex education realm. I'm not familiar with that work. So if he gets into how to, I would say that the parent needs to know that that's the kind of literature they're putting in front of their children. Oh, no, it's not a how to. I, I just said because in here it says they're referring to the sexual orientation or gender of any historic person, group, or public figure. So the bill passed, uh, you know, this is the opt-out bill, which essentially says that if a LGBT person is mentioned in school, then they need to warn the parents 30 days in advance. And I believe that that is at least a big part of the reason that our next guest, uh, Danielle, is going to be resigning from her position as a teacher. Danielle, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Where are you, first of all? Uh, I am in Clarksville, Tennessee, Um, currently sitting in my mostly empty classroom as I'm boxing everything up to, indeed, not return next year, Um, especially as they've tabled that uh, particular piece of legislation uh, that's micromanaging teacher classrooms and materials. So tell us how you came to that decision, you know, and and how difficult of a decision was it for you? Extremely. Um, When I started teaching in 2011, right, we, uh, most people are probably familiar with the don't say gay legislation that uh, only became a bill in 2012. Um, At the time, I thought I would be able to simply, you know, be the shield for my students since that legislation wasn't really gaining a foothold. Um, I figured as an openly queer teacher myself, Um, that it would be a safe, I could make my classroom a safe space for my students. Um, Since I do teach Latin, um, I teach about uh, Greek and Roman history, um, Greek and Roman mythology, and uh, those are some fantastic examples of people who have been in really uh, high positions of power that have been openly queer. Um, For example, the Emperor Elegabalus was even killed for it by his Praetorian Guard. So if I want to cover that simple history fact, um, I would have to send home a 30-day notice. You know, if one of the first things I do is have my students, well, did, I suppose, uh, is have my students do a little quiz to see what emperor they are the most like, um, to give them a personal connection with that past, you know, give them a connection with the real humanity that existed at the time um, and often still persists today. Um, 
So even simply that, I would have to give a 30-day notice right off the bat. And if we're talking about intentions here, I think it's pretty clear the intention is that teachers would instead choose a different topic, just exclude that piece, rather than, as they say, actually create different curriculum material for those students, like we currently have to do uh, for sex ed classes when parents can opt out, for evolution classes when parents can opt out. Um, decided that instead of being a shield um, and being complicit in the uh, in the organization that's going to be required to push this anti-LGBTQ agenda, I'm instead going to uh, go be part of a nonprofit organization that provides those supports to students. Well, I think it's a brave and couldn't have been an easy decision, but it's a it's a strong decision to make. Abby Lee, I want you to be able to ask some questions also here if you'd like to, but I want to open one up to both of you. In that clip, uh, Griffey says, you know, they shouldn't, it shouldn't, it's about pushing an agenda, right? Like he mm -hmm. sees treating LGBTQ folks as human beings and as anybody else as pushing an agenda. Like when they say that, 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 you know, that even, the the human humane treatment of LGBTQ folks is pushing an agenda. Mm -hmm. What's what's the answer to that? I, I guess I'll start with you, Danielle, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on that too, Abby Lee. First of all, first of all, we're already required to um, to publish our curriculum and to make that available to parents uh, and to students uh, to make it publicly transparent, line by line, what we're teaching each unit, what projects will be there. Um, if parents aren't actually looking into those materials uh, that are already made available to them um, and they want to have more control over that, they should probably start with the controls that are already in place. Um, having said that, simply addressing the fact that somebody has a family that looks different to somebody else's family, uh, like having to make a special issue out of that is inherently problematic um, because we know that different kinds of people exist all over the world anyways. Abby Lee, what do you think about that when Griffey says this is really just pushing an agenda to not want these bills to be in place? Well, I think one thing I've learned from this entire process is um, how exhausting and how honestly re-traumatizing this work can be. Um, I've joked on Twitter that I was having to play a lot of video games to recover from um, having interactions with legislators who wish that I didn't exist. Like it's inherently clear to me when I reach out to them for comment, um, they, they would, they would, they think themselves better off if I were not around and only because I'm queer, um, only because I'm, you know, uh, non-binary and bisexual. Those are reasons that they wish that I did not exist. And just seeing, seeing the wish for my erasure, in our legislature, like I'm, I'm their constituent too. Like, I don't understand why they don't care about my life. I would also like to point out that when Deborah Moody was holding that bill in her hand and she was saying, well, I think the intent in here, I haven't talked to her because she wouldn't respond to me, but I find it interesting that she is trying to offer interpretations about the intent of a bill that she, like she should know that. She shouldn't have to say, I think the intent of this bill that tells me that she received received model legislation and legislative uh, legislative coaching, and she probably did not draft that bill herself at all. I think it, it's something that I want to mention, and I, I've taken some blowback for mentioning this as often as I do, but I think it's important. You know, uh, our governor has a sister who's married to a woman, and he also has a daughter who attempted suicide. Mm 
And, you know, that is a story that came out last year. And these are all things that you would think would make one more empathetic in this scenario and highlight the hypocrisy. You know, usually when it hits home, they start to evolve a little bit on these issues, but our governor doesn't seem to be really learning anything. And, you know, it's just, it's just sad. And I, you know, I can't imagine what it's like to try to cover it. You know, when, when, you know, you, you are among a member of that community and especially to try to have to teach it. So I understand why you're making the decision you are. Danielle, what would your message be to the legislators? You know, if you had a chance to talk to them directly. Absolutely. Um, one of the things that got me thinking about this since we've brought up Bill Lee um, is the training that we get at the beginning of the year from the Jason Foundation, um, which Lee has quoted himself, uh, especially with the mental health um, with the trust fund that he started, right, for students with, uh, for kids with mental health problems. Um, at the beginning of every year, teachers are required to attend suicide training hosted by the Jason Foundation. And one of the first things that they mention is that LGBTQ plus students are uh, more likely by a large margin to have suicidal ideation, to have attempts, to have successes uh, than their cis hetero peers are, especially in those situations where they're not being affirmed, where they're not being called by their actual names, uh, where you know they're being marginalized. Um, even as late as this morning, we had a student come in wearing a dress and be harassed by several teachers in this building about why are you wearing a dress? Why are you wearing that kind of thing? And uh, that's the kind of stuff that, trigger warning, does lead students to kill themselves. Absolutely. And um, I refuse to be part of a system that's not going to do what's right by kids uh, and instead create more problems for our state to try to solve. Well, I think that's really well said and understandable. Abby Lee, just as a, as a final thought here from you, uh, what can people do, do you think, to make people aware of what these organizations are doing? And, you know, is there more that can be done to drag it out into the light like you did with this article? Well, I think um, HRC state legislate, I, I struggle with the word legislative. Uh, HRC state legislative coordinator Kate Oakley said that it is still worth calling your legislators, even if they appear to be in the pocket of these organizations, because um, there has there has been some examples of these groups like um, the um, uh, Heritage Foundation, FACT, TN, uh, ADF, turning on governors and legislators that don't adhere to these talking points if they deviate at all. So put the pressure on your legislators and align yourselves with groups like here we have the National LGBT Chamber. Um, uh, the CEO of that organization, Joe Woolley, is a really great ally um, and, and a member of the community. So there's, there's kind of a three-step process. Pressure your legislators, call them, email them, text them incessantly. Be a thorn in their side and pressure them. And then align yourself with organizations like HRC and GLAAD and the LGBT Chamber in your area in order to uplift the community. And then also the key last element of that is the sunlight, is the truth. When you hear, for example, as sources have told me that a cisgender lesbian is saying, well, I think the sports ban is fine because I want to protect girls. You need to know the truth so that you can tell them the truth and say they're coming for you, too. It's not just about transgender people. They will be knocking on the doorstep of every queer person in this state if they get the opportunity. 
And the truth is that transgender people participate in the NCAA and the Olympics. They are not a threat to anyone. And some people say that non-binary falls under the transgender umbrella. I don't necessarily claim uh, transgender for myself is something I'm still figuring out. Right. But all I will say is that those three elements are, are key. And remember that this is a slippery slope. They would repeal marriage equality if they could. And we know that because they are friends with marriage equality repeal advocates. So we got, yeah. I want to mention the Tennessee equality project also, just because they're a uh, partner of ours and a supporter. Um, absolutely. You know, that, Trans. First of all, we should mention that no Tennessee legislator has ever come up with an actual instance of the trans athlete situation being a real problem in Tennessee. It doesn't exist. That hasn't happened. Uh, also, in your article, you mentioned something that came up in on the floor. Also, I believe either Ramesh Akbari or Heidi Campbell asked. I think it was actually Heidi Campbell who's watching, I think, asked the sponsor of the bill if he had talked to a trans person before pushing the legislation. They don't even talk to trans people, which what could be more dehumanizing than not even talking to somebody that your legislation is affecting. So right there, you just know what this is really about. This is about dehumanization and otherization, you know, and, and I think the bottom line of what you said there is really important, which is, you know, these are bad faith bills. Like to even get into the merits of, you know, what's going on in that the world of sports, you know, and, and, and any of that it's to like, take it seriously in a way that it doesn't deserve to be taken seriously. These are just bad faith attacks on the community and they'll come for you next. That's exactly right. So, you know, that's why I, I, I think that, you know, there are probably legislators who feel like there is some merit to these. And I just say to them, this is not a good faith attack in any way, shape or form. You know, and you have to stand tall against this stuff like Gloria does, like Heidi Campbell does, because, you know, you know what's coming next. And it's things like fighting against marriage equality. You know, like you said, they have allies that want to do that. We've seen DAs come out and openly say they don't want to acknowledge marriage equality, no matter what the Supreme Court has said. So, you know, it's about holding the line on the stuff and making decisions like you made, Danielle. So I appreciate it. Some final words from Danielle, and then I'm going to let you guys go. Danielle. Yeah, I want to draw a line real quick. We're talking about that slippery slope here. Um, it seems obvious to me, at least, that the minute they realized they were able to pass the uh, uh, queer discrimination bills, excuse me, that's our bells here. Um, it, once they realized they were able to pass that, they very quickly passed the bill about uh, teaching racial issues in class as well, especially uh, in history. Right. So it's a slippery slope. No question very about slippery it. Slope. Once they go for one set, it makes it very easy to marginalize everybody else again. It's at Abby Lee Hood on Twitter. Danielle, I think you're what? D DN Lad. DN Lad on Twitter. <laughs> on Twitter. And they're both on Facebook also. Uh, Abby Lee writes for the Tennessee Lookout, which you guys should be following. I'm sure most of you are. Appreciate you guys coming on here. Keep in touch with us, Danielle. Good luck with what you're up to next. And, you know, thanks for taking the stand. Appreciate you. Thank you for having us. Danielle, I just want to say I'm so sorry for what you're going through, and I respect you tremendously for your decision. So thank you for being a stellar member of the community. We need more like you. I appreciate you. Thanks.